Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. It's the Luminaries with David Odyssey. Can you believe it? We are finally doing the astrology of Sinead O'Connor. Look, it is fire on Babylon over here at Luminary Central. But first, thoughts on Murray Bartlett and the White Lotus, Fire Island Memories, Sand Fleas, Bette Midler, Richie Carpenter, Jamie Lee Curtis, and much, much more. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the ride, baby. My essence is my offense. Set yourself free. Cunt. Cunt. Okay. The tragedy of us experimenting with bi-weekly episodes, which frankly I'm not that convinced, is that I have so much to talk about that I'm largely apoplectic. Um, You know, my cup runneth over. So if you are here... Simply to hear about the many trials and travails of Sinead O'Connor, uh, just jump ahead. Probably, I can't say how much because I'm living in the moment, but uh, we just have some business to cover uh, for me and the old fogies. First of all, I just want to say, you know, if you want to experience a life of variety and versatility in which one day you are a complete inert lump who is only capable of watching the kind of bad Val Kilmer documentary, and another day, like today, in which you are a busy little industrious beaver, um, you know, going on attack mode, I highly recommend you experience um, life-shattering somatic trauma, which renders your body just kind of constantly keeping a different score to which you are not privy to. I feel great today, so we're just going to roll with that. The Val Kilmer documentary... Look, I rewatched the Elaine Stritch documentary last week. You can't touch it. You know how I feel about documentaries about, like, older white women? It's really hard to do a documentary about a, a straight male actor. I think, like... I kind of wanted the documentary to be more about the fall of the fall of and the impossibility of the male leading man in Hollywood and how it doesn't exist. The documentary is about how real actors can't really exist in Hollywood because like I mean the part where they show the filming of Batman Forever is so interesting because Apparently in the Batman suit, Val Kilmer literally could not hear and he couldn't breathe out of his nose. So he's just basically in an ISO tank. Um, and he was like, yeah, that I can't really act like that. So that was interesting. Like, he's obviously a beautiful soul. He's Val Kilmer. 
you know, I was raised on Top Secret, but also Willow was really big. I've never seen Top Gun, but Willow was really big for me. Like, gorgeous, okay? It just, I don't know. I, I think the documentary wanted to be about what it is about, which is this person's life, and I needed it to be a little bit more expansive. I just think the issue is that after the Bee Gees documentary, there just kind of is no coming back. It's just so hard. Um, I don't know. You know, when you have the Jane Fonda, again, then there's a Jane Fonda documentary. How do you touch that? Okay. Oh my God, we have so much to talk about. I am giving Marina and the Diamonds... Listen, I've always loved her, and I am trying to really embrace the new album and the remixes, so um, hang with me, kitties. Um, Meanwhile, I'm watching Drag Race España. I hate to say it, it's great. Um, You know, I'm not, I haven't watched a season of Drag Race USA in a while, so I'm not really watching All Stars or anything like that, but Drag Race España is a true joy. it really like takes me back to like 2009 and just discovering Drag Race for the first time. Okay, why would I even make a note about that? I have nothing interesting to say. But, um, okay, this is something that I've never fully understood about myself. The Drag Race España Snatch Game is 100% references I don't understand. I was belly laughing. I was sitting in the dark, crying tears of laughter, and... This would happen to me in Tel Aviv when I would be watching Israeli comedies that I I could kind of understand, but I didn't understand the references, and I would just cry laughing. There's almost, like, this freedom of, like, I don't have to know what this means, and I don't have to have some postmodern take on it, so I can truly just enjoy the physicality. It's kind of like on AbFab when they'll insult some British person I've never heard of, um... I just can, like, make fun of them because I don't know who they are. It's some sort of, like, a bliss of being... I don't know. It's almost like I get to be a peasant. (laughs) Like, I get to just be a fucking idiot and not have to, like, intellectualize everything for once in my fucking life. Okay. Sorry, you're having to listen to me drink this smoothie. It's disgusting. Right. Me not intellectualizing. A journey has begun. Um, Yes, I went to Fire Island for six nights last week. I really feel like I needed another week there. I felt like I was just getting started. Something that's happening for me is via recovery, etc., etc., I think I am being brought down, um, like, from the other side of the rainbow, and I'm experiencing a lot of, like, Neptunian disillusionment. Hello. Um, And I think a lot of my, like, fantastical ideas about life and love and romance and about the things I would discover that would save me are being um, uh, disabused. In the moment, that is very disappointing because there is just this feeling of like, so what's the point and what's next? And like, why am I doing this? But, sorry, I'm just cooking something. But 
It's also allowing me a lot of freedom because it means that I'm able to have experiences like sex where it can be an enjoyable experience, but it doesn't have to be either all-consuming and all-destroying or deeply meaningless. It can be an enjoyable experience, which is to say in Fire Island, I did have sex in the bushes, and last night I met someone on the dance floor and bottomed for them. So listen, people can change, apparently. Um, wait, I'm gonna wait, you guys know this quote. What am I gonna say? What what did um what does Nora Efron say to Parker Posey? Oh, alright. Parker, you don't change. You just get older. Okay. I did get sand fleas in Fire Island, uh, which caused a lot of agony and anxiety. And at one point I did have to leave a party and just like go home and kind of cry uh, because I literally was so out of it. But I think there were other things going on. I think there was like, I was dead sober. I, I think I was just having a really hard time being in a being in an intense sexual arena like that I think I was just freaking out generally um I do think the underwear party is hell on earth I've always felt that and yet every time I'm there I end up going there I just think it's like deeply sexless sexless like the day that I can get an erection at the underwear party at the ice palace um I really don't even know what kind of focus it would take. It's just so on the nose and stupid. And like the back, the issue with the underwear party is that they have an arena of dancing and then there's a back room. The back room and the arena share the same music. So the same bad Diana Ross remix is playing in the sex, uh, in the sex caverns as on the dance floor. It's just not conducive. Okay. And yeah, I just, no. Okay, but we did go to Bet Bathhouse and Beyond, which is, um, hello, at Reflections, the diva and previous luminaries guest, if you go way back, Amber Martin recreating Bet Midler's um, iconic historic performances at the Continental Baths with her pianist Barry Manilow. Um, it was a... It was a, it was a towels only event. So it really was a bathhouse recreation and it was very beautiful. Um, Amber Martin sang Superstar, which Bette Midler apparently performed before Richie Carpenter stole it and then had the Carpenters sing it. And Dexter Driscoll, who is now like a four-time recurring guest, who is a Fire Island staple, uh, and whom I recommend you book for a reading. Dexter does Astro and Tarot just like me. Um, Dexter turned to me and said, you know, Richie Carpenter in, in stealing from, you know, we all know thanks to Todd Haynes' banned short film, um, Superstar, the Karen Carpenter story, Richie Carpenter was closeted. Um, and he basically took out a lot of that on his sister. And, you know, literally, that family killed her. I mean, she she wasted away. And Dexter just said to me, you know, 
Guy Ritchie, Richie Carpenter. Um, there's just this long history of, of gay men who kill women. Not that Guy Ritchie killed women, but, you know, if you want to believe that Guy Ritchie was closeted um, and that he, likes, you know, brought on some subterfuge on Madonna's career. Okay, the point is, I just saw, this is not spoiling anything, but if you were to believe that I saw an advanced screening of the, what's it called? Of the Tammy Faye movie, which, you know, alleges what is already public information, the possibility that uh, Jim Baker was likely closeted and also, you know, once again, terrorized his wife. I don't know. It was just really, it was a really interesting duality where (coughs) we had the diva Amber Martin performing, who Amber to me is a diva who must be patronized by gay men. It is the duty of gay men to patronize this woman and to support her. Because we have a history of killing other women, of of crushing them because of our own closeted aggression, and even those of us who are out of the closet through just direct misogyny and Oedipal shit and mommy shit. So I just thought that was very interesting. Dexter also made an incredible point about how there is so much twink shame in this community that a lot of twinks end up becoming these, like, big boy muscle men who are then just bottoms, which is where I come in because then I come and top all of them. So, anyways, Dexter was just going off. Look, the trip was great. It was complicated. It was intense. It was triggering. It was fabulous. Um, I came back. I was delighted to catch up on The White Lotus, my one complaint with the what by the way, you know, um, watch this space, but you can go to davidodyssey.com or nylon.com because the astrology of the White Lotus should be up by now. But um, my one issue with the show, I don't think that Murray Bartlett would need to arrange sex, nor do I think he would need to be like hitting on a straight man for it. Look, I get like that the show is about Murray Bartlett's like meltdown. Um, so he's obviously going to like extremes, but like Murray Bartlett does not need to negotiate for it. Trust me. I think you could tell a perfectly good addict story about someone who has sex readily offered to them. And I don't think you would need it to be like, this is a gay man who's trying to like seduce straight men. I just think that part was a uh, like, uh, uh, you know what I mean? Okay. Um, I think I'm like done with exercising. My body is just finished. I don't know if it's depression or just like the PTSD. Um, I literally like, I tried to get a membership at the YMCA to start swimming. I think that was a huge waste of money. I went to lift weights today and my body was like, why are you doing this? So the idea is that I just need to like embrace my destiny and become an old lady who does Tai Chi in the park at 6am. Okay. I have purchased my tickets for Azalea Banks at Webster Hall, August 27th. And and that same weekend, I will be seeing Alanis Morissette and Garbage on August 29th. So everyone, brace yourselves. I talk a lot about event horizons on this podcast, which are these kind of You know in time travel movies how they say that like there are some events that are fixed that can't be changed? The Azalea Banks concert is that to me of like 
we don't know what's coming after that, but we know that this will change everything. So I really can't say which direction it's going in. Look, this is what I want to say. The new weekend music video is very good. And to me, it triggers a response, a a return to the culture of Blade, Queen of the Damned, and Underworld, which is late 90s millennium approaching ecstasy-based militant rave culture. I'm rereading Grant Morrison's Super Gods, which is my all-time favorite book. He talks about the Sekhmet hypothesis, which is this theory that every 11 years, the sun's solar polarities shift, causing a change in youth culture that vacillates between the spectrums of punk and hippie. And you can take punk to mean like imperial, fascist, leather, whatever, and hippie to mean, you know, psychedelic, whatever, whatever. 2021 does mark a return to kind of punk and fascist. And as Jupiter heads into Aries next year, and as Saturn heads into Aries in about 2026, I do think we are going to start, we're we're closing a cycle of very like hyper-referential, twee, postmodern, like Jeff Koons culture. And I actually think we're going to be returning or shifting back into basically where we left off before 9-11. I mean, Ruby and I are going to get into this more again, watch this space. But there is a uniformity of fashion that will be returning and less of a um, things are going to be a lot less wink wink and a lot more direct. So the weekend video made me really excited. Um, I thought it was really hot, and I just thought it spoke to hope, not hopefully, possibly where things are going. But then again, we live in a global pandemic, and it's anyone's guess. But even the pandemic, to me, I just think that there's this, like, citizen vibe that's going to be coming up, and less of this, like, twee, like, You know, Ruby and I'll get into this. I'm just like, people really dress like shit right now um, because, like, it's supposed to be this, like, dissociated irony thing. I just think that's that's a very Aquarian age thing that's going to be over soon. And fashion's going to go more into, like, um... All right, we'll get into this. Um, The last thing that I want to say is that I finally bit the bullet and watched the new Halloween film from 2018 starring Jamie Lee Curtis because I thought it would be therapeutic for me. And you know what? I was right. I don't think the movie's great. Um, I just don't think... I don't think it's original is my problem. And the issue is that Jamie Lee isn't present enough in it because it's still a slasher, so they have to kill all these other people. But in terms of the type of horror movie that I need to heal from my own trauma 
or to even feel seen. This fits really nicely with Scream 3 and Scream 2 of just like Jamie Lee Curtis being like, bitch, I knew this was going to happen and bitch, I warned you, you know? So there are some payoffs. The issue is it's really hard to cast teenage teenage actors. I really think like if you're not Luca Guadagnino, you're screwed because teen actors now come out of the they just come out of the like Oakwoods Disney pipeline and it's how do you cast the next Jamie Lee? How do you cast the next Sissy Spacek? So it's really hard when you're casting someone who's supposed to play Jamie Lee's granddaughter and like her cast of friends because it's like, I don't really give a shit about you. You know what I mean? And, and it's not a, about her talent. It's just, it's really difficult. Okay. Very excited. You're about to meet Eleanor, one of my oldest, dearest friends. We have a lot to talk about with Sinead. And um, we are building up to Virgo season over here at uh, Luminaries, you know, Odyssey, House of Odyssey. So keep me posted about who you want to hear me talk about, etc., etc. Much love. I missed you. Bye. Right. The saga continues. Uh, and, you know, as we go through the ongoing Pluto and Capricorn journey of uh previous crimes of the state being exhumed uh we have now jumped from mia to britney spears we there is now a simmering uh cultural awakening surrounding Sinead o'connor to explore the astrology which it's really something of this icon uh, i am welcoming my old friend who gave me the Sinead o'connor memoirs uh which i just devoured Eleanor Monahan, welcome to the Luminaries. I'm so grateful to have you here. Thank you, David. I'm so grateful to be here. So before we even get into this, like, because the astrology is a lot and we'll get into all of the Sinead-isms, mm -hmm. I guess I just want to know about, like, this sort of character archetypally for you. How mm. did you come upon her? And, like, what is it about her that kind of pulled you in? Oh, that's a wonderful question. <laughs> mm. um, I would say, so I, I, I feel like I was, I can't pinpoint when, I would say my first understanding with, of her was definitely the SNL quote unquote incident, whatever you, right. whatever you like to call it. Um, but I didn't, all I knew was that image of her ripping the Pope. I was like, wow, I understood kind of how other people saw her and didn't, didn't really know much other than that. And then I think it was in 2017, um, my friend Ani Ryan, Raya Flora, God, I just mispronounced my best friend's name. <laughs> 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 my best friend Ani Raya Flores and I started a drag variety show. And um, it was during that, I found that uh, doing drag and is a very good outlet for my personal obsessions with music and lyrics and playing things over and over again. And um, I got really into Sinead. I had a brief sort of like, I really zeroed in on her. Um, and what really clicked for me was reading about like 
oh, that was a performance art piece. That was a premeditated <laughs> years. She was, she, oh, I mean, she, the, yes, I think people sort of viewed that as like, wow, she's so crazy. She ripped up a picture of the Pope and she threw everything away. That was also the thing that I think I really associated with her with. Yes. Was like she had it all, but she threw it away because she was crazy. Um, and then when I read, it was a performance art piece about, <laughs> child molestation in the Irish in the Irish Catholic Church in <laughs> Ireland I was like oh <laughs> and she speaks about I mean it's so interesting looking at different interviews and because she as um how would you say as as erratic as she can be and has been perceived to be she's very consistent in the way she talks about her life and what she's experienced and that is very you just see that over time and you're like, oh, I, I recognize what she's gone through, but like she seems to have been able to, through so much, her, you know, abuse, addiction issues, identity crisis, perhaps is still ongoing. I'm not really sure. She, she has seemed to be able to maintain a sense of self that is pretty astounding. <laughs> I love what you said about the like throw it all away thing because yes. it is like in our culture throwing away an opportunity at fame is like mm -hmm. there is nothing worse it is right. like the the capital um it's like committing suicide basically yeah yeah it's and, like what are you thinking who you know we already thought you were crazy because you cut off all your hair and now we know you're crazy because right you are like you would do that on SNL. Like, who do you think you are? And then, yeah, Frank Sinatra like put out a hit on her. Yeah, and Joe <laughs> like, Pesci. Crazy. But like, I it that is like so in my mind all the time because like, yes. If I want to like log off Twitter, but what mm -hmm. if I throw away my chance at like becoming famous through that? You know what I mean? Like, Ooh. it's so yeah. in the back of my head with everything, and mm -hmm. the idea that a person is like, and she said that she's like. I'm not a pop artist. Like I'm a mm -hmm. political person, but I yeah. don't want this. It's like, what do you mean you don't want it? Which is this like, how could a woman be ungrateful? Like it's so big in the way, like all of the stuff that got played out with that beyond even the Catholicism, like mm -hmm. the idea of like not obeying rules and of not being like, you should be so lucky that you're on SNL is so like, whoa yeah you know? and the snl was really the the fact that i was honest at all was kind of the fluke it was kind of like the right. timing just worked out where she was like oh perfect <laughs> she's right. been carrying that photo around for years planning when which is also i mean deeply deeply fascinating and like oh just the the, the symbolism of carrying <laughs> Your, your abusive mother's photo of the Pope. Oh God. Ooh, it's heavy. It's heavy stuff. And yeah. yeah. And it, oof. Yes. That you, you mentioning that. I think I might've written it down that quote where she's like, yeah, people thought I, oh, she says people thought I, that ripping up the Pope got in the way of my career, but it was being a pop star that got in the way of like being a protest singer yes. or something like that. Yeah. And I remember yes. being like, okay. Yeah. When I first, said that. <laughs> but now I am, I mean, I am also someone that has been, I, I feel like, especially when I was younger, um, I 
really just thought of like acting and being performative as being kind of like my only option for being relevant or valid. Mm. Um, and I just kind of, even though I couldn't uh, see how I would make all this happen externally, I was like, well, obviously I have to be famous in some way because <laughs> otherwise, what am, what am I doing here? Yeah. <laughs> and I've definitely gone in, in quarantine, but beyond that, like, oh yeah, you actually, you don't have to do anything. <laughs> you can just, <laughs> you can just be a person and it's okay. And, uh, and it's, it's definitely changed the way I'm in a lot of situations. I still feel like I'm learning how to be around. I haven't been around many people <laughs> still. <laughs> I still I was in a room with about like six people last week and I was like, it's so hard to look at all these people. It's <laughs> weird. Talking, <laughs> tea. Yeah, it's weird. There's another person looking at me. I, I'm not used to this. Um, yeah, I, yeah. Um, and the book definitely ends with her as like a crone uh, by the sea. <laughs> full crone. She is crone. Like, she's kind of always been, she was kind of born a crone. She even kind of says it. She's what is she? I was born bonkers. There was no hope. <laughs> yeah. So like, with that, let's just jump right in. You know, yes, I, we know that, you know, we've, we, duh, she's a Sagittarius. Sagittarius <laughs> is, Sagittarius is the soul in search of higher answers, the soul in search of God, the soul in search of um, oh. meaning and knowledge and wisdom at a higher level. Mm -hmm. And the thing about Sagittarius is that it's always searching, you know, as Madonna says, uh, no, Madonna says, I don't search, I find. Sagittarius is the opposite. Sag is always searching and never finds. And even if Sag finds, they wouldn't even get it because they have to keep marching. So Sagittarians, I thought she was a Sag Scorpio rising. She's actually double Sag. So Sag Sun. Sag rising, <laughs> Venus and Sagittarius. So this is a life that is fully always on the move. And yes. obviously there's a lot of big reckonings with God. Mm -hmm. um, but what made the memoir to me extremely Sagittarian, which I, you know, I love the Sagittarians in my life very dearly, but mm -hmm. I will say like, they always like zig when you think they're gonna zag. And they, it, the conversation never just goes where you think it would go logically. And there's a lot of parts in the book where it's like, wait, Sinead, <laughs> I think you missed something here. Like at the yeah. end of the book, she writes this letter to her father and she's like, I just want to say oh. the reason that I'm so troublesome is because I got hit on the head by like a train door when I was a the child. <laughs> and it was like, yeah, Sinead, but you also just spent this book explaining about how your mother like horrifically abused you and would yeah. like lock you in, in in like the chokey for for days at yes, a time. But it doesn't even occur to her. Like at the end of this book that she did, it mm -hmm. doesn't even occur to her to be like, oh, the reason I'm this way is because I have PTSD for my mother. No, it's because right. I got hit on the head by a train car. She's like, I was hit on the head by a train. And yeah, and she says, and I was born. She seems to say the, or have some chemical understanding, but she, yeah. in writing to her father, absolves both her father and her mother of any wrongdoing in her life. And that was like, ooh, okay, the dissociation is still... Right, exactly. Which is the dissociation, which I get, but there is this yeah. very Sagittarian thing where I'll be like, sometimes I'll be talking to my Sag friends and I'm like, wait, you just made a point 
but then you miss the point mm-hmm. because you're now already on the next point and we've already like whoa right. how did you get here not enough time you know what resting i mean before launching off to the next Right. And there's like always a deeper level. There's always another conspiracy. There's like always another question to ask, which Mm -hmm. I love because they're pushing, you know, she did push the conversation forward. She's pushed everything forward. She has pushed everything forward, including, did you see uh, the the latest on her right now as of uh, July 20th? (laughs) She was in, she's in Ireland and she took out like a famous murder suspect to lunch. (laughs) that I, I haven't seen this yet, but there's a, a Netflix documentary series called Sophie, a murder in West Cork. And apparently this poet who's, who's this murder suspect. And she was like, I, I have to take it to lunch. And she said, because she needed to ask him questions that no one had ever asked him before. <laughs> I mean, okay. This is the other thing that, that I love about Sage. That's the breaking Sage. Sinead O'Connor news. Yeah, this moment. You know, Sage are really good because Sage and Gemini, which are on a spectrum, exist a little bit out oh. of morality. Mm. So, like, you can't really cancel a Sag. They're just going to come back. Like, mm-hmm. try to cancel JoJo. She'll like, try to cancel. Again, how many times have people tried to cancel Miley Cyrus, like, and just destroy her? And it's like... She yeah. doesn't really care because this, she's not really about Sag is not about moralism. It's about these like yeah. deeper, bigger truths. Right. And so, Brittany and Christina also both Sag, right? Yeah. And like, yeah, you can't really keep a good bitch down. Yeah. Tina Turner. No. <laughs> um, so yeah. Sinead is just like, yeah. I, what I love about, you know, a lot of the Sages I know is like, yeah, they can really engage with all sorts of people and mm-hmm. it isn't really on this like moralistic spectrum. So I do kind of like love that mm-hmm. about her. And frankly, you know, she has Venus in Sag. Um, mm-hmm. Again, this is all in her first house of intrinsic yeah. selfhood. So it's like, yeah. she really re- wears it. Venus in Sag is like truly a bon vivant. It's truly like mm-hmm. Venus in Sag is her like going through her reggae phases and her like. <laughs> hanging out in Jamaica and like having that affair with the like reggae producer. That's her just being like, yeah, I'm a child of the universe. I can talk to anyone and like get along with anyone. Like, I don't care if they're suspected murder. No, no. (laughs) That is, yes, that's totally true. And now I'm, I always learn whenever I'm listening to this podcast, I learned so much and just now I'm like, Oh, yes. Okay. I'm like, I'm like, oh, uh, obviously that's what I was about to say. (laughs) But it is very, the the Venus in Sag to me, I will say, is very much her conversion to Islam and her in like the full hijab. Yeah, she's had a lot of conversions. She also calls it, I think she calls it a reversion sometimes, reverting back (laughs) to... Um, and she was a, she was ordained as a priest at one point, which is iconically. Yeah. Which obviously Um, didn't go down very well. No. And, and I also, that was one of the, I think that also, once I read about like, oh, okay. The SNL thing was like a whole, you know, piece, essentially I read about her being ordained as a priest and I was like, hell yeah, Sinead. And no, she's like, no, I literally want to be a priest. (laughs) And I was like, (laughs) 
And then there's parts in the book where, well, like in the past, she said she's a dyke. She's not. Then there's the book is all about how many like she, you know, she's had quite a few lovers, which I think is iconic and very Sagittarian, too. You're not supposed Mm -hmm. to. Sagittarians are not good with like a traditional monogamous situation. But then at one point in the book, she's like, well, I'm obviously asexual. And it's like, wait, I um, I completely forgot that. Yes. Well, right. Because every chapter of the book, you're like, am I did I miss a page here? Because it's so just like trying on a new identity and then like yes. where it's the Venus in Sag is her like wearing a new look in like a very real way you know I see mm-hmm. it's just yeah. like yeah um oh yes and we should probably mention I <laughs> that she does currently go by another name <laughs> right had several names right um, it's and um, I'm not chuckling I'm just like I, I love it I love it all <laughs> it's a Shahada Sadakat. Yes, I believe that's it. And yeah. you know, listen, I actually do think that Islam is the logical endpoint because mm-hmm. the Quran is literally just pure poetry. So, like, of mm-hmm. course, she who writes so much of her music, um, you know, based off of the poetry of the New Testament, of course, mm-hmm. she would like get sucked in. But for her, it's just like yeah of course i'm i'm muslim and i've always been muslim like it's so just like wait sinead like yeah hold on it's okay you can you can yeah you can take a you can (sighs) you can catch your breath and you can say hey i have a new interest now or something but But it's just this like endless gallop which is the sag yes yes i don't i don't have any um I don't have anything, any Sagittarian areas of my chart and no fire. So fire signs have always kind of eluded me or I have that understanding now, but yeah, I'm like, wow, what's that like? I'm just ready to, you know, (laughs) float away. You're Pisces. (laughs) If you don't mind me disclosing that you're Pisces. So I'm open about it. Pisces. Okay, thank you. Pisces, Sag, Gemini, and Virgo are all mutables. Oh, yes. Okay. That's right. So that's I will Pisces. say that the Pisces and Sag have that thing in common, which is like, mm-hmm. you really are, it's very responsive to what's going on in the world around you. Mm-hmm. But I think Pisces, it's this very like deep internal sensitivity and mm-hmm. Sag, it's this thing of like, well, you say this, I'm going to say this. And it's yeah. like, the fire thing <laughs> is really external. like, well, exactly. Mm-hmm. And fire wants to like push things forward a lot, which she really mm-hmm. does. Um, she does. Whew. And she has such a prolific career. Um, but yes, most of which, or most of her music she's created in her, you know, I mean, many articles I've seen her like, she's the original canceled. <laughs> Uh, yes. I was like, well, that's sure. Um, she, you know what? She was canceled. I think it's fair to say she was canceled. But so much of her music is for, it's like I think she just made it in Ireland and like kept doing her thing. Like she did. It is not on Spotify. Yeah. Ooh. What is that? And now I like, think she's. I'd, I'd say half of her albums are not on Spotify. Whoa. I yeah. didn't even know that. Yeah. Fascinating. Okay. Well, thank you for explaining. Thank you for uh, now. I feel like I understand Sag a little better already. And I know a few. 
I know a few. I know a few. Yeah. And we, I love them. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm a Taurus. So Sag yeah. is, Sag is what we call quincux <gasps> from Taurus, which is to say, you know, you have your sign that's 180 degrees directly across the chart. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Taurus, Scorpio, Pisces, Virgo, oh, they're yeah. in the dialogue. Mm-hmm. It's that sign that's just a little to the left or yeah. right that's quincux. Mm-hmm. So for okay, me, I when I see it, Sag, yeah. Which is like right next to Scorpio. It's kind of mm-hmm. this, it's the uncanny. It's like, what makes you guys tick? Because I am not getting it, you know? Mm-hmm. So, about Pisces, though, let's just talk about mm-hmm. it. You know, a big point <laughs> in her chart, kind of the focal point in her chart is her mm-hmm. Pisces. So she has Pisces in her third house of self expression, the third house of the God. Where mine is, too. <laughs> Really? Yeah. So are you a Scorpio rising? I'm a Capricorn rising. Okay, interesting. That makes right, that makes sense. Yeah. Just so you know, we are using a Placidus chart for Sinead, so it's kind of totally all over the place in a different way. Uh, um, I, yeah, I can see a different. But yeah, we have the a lot of things are heading into this. So in this mm-hmm. third house, we have Saturn. So she's Saturn in Pisces, which uh-huh. means her second Saturn return, I think, will be in 2025. Oh, wow. We all Which better. is just like... Buckle <laughs> up. What else is there? <laughs> I know. I know. I guess I... Well, you know, you mentioned the mutable qualities of of these signs and I just don't I, I respect her identity at any given time and I feel like she is sort of the outward uh perception is that she or like what I can glean is that she's a very fluid person that moves through different yeah. identities but it doesn't feel like she necessarily owns that process it's more of a of like you're mentioning, like a, like a search without any answers. And I think the answer is like, well, you don't need the search <laughs> a little bit, which isn't, I mean, not to upend, like, but it is, now I'm going back on my, on my, of what I was saying about her maintaining her sense of self. And it, it's interesting. It's like her sense of self about how she believes the world should be. And then I'm not as sure about just, just herself, her, her, you know, inner child, the, the, like where all of the sort of the research and the helping, there's a lot of helping. She often talks about, I just want to help. I just want to, to aid other people. Um, which I think is also common for trauma survivors to be be like, no, wait, (laughs) I just have to help everybody else. Well, you also have to learn to like feed yourself. Um, You know, that's really interesting because the, the kids who are going to have their Saturn return in Pisces. So Mm -hmm. these are people who will have their first one from 2023 Mm -hmm. to 2026. Mm -hmm. For that Saturn in Pisces generation, the lesson is how do I attain self-definition when I've grown up in so much noise? You know, Pisces is so sensitive to this inundation. So for this generation, it's very much about the noise. I think of the internet and stuff like that. Yes. Her, she grew up in the noise of God and the noise Mm -hmm. of like 
Ireland, the noise of Catholicism. And I hope that with this Saturn return, she gets to be this like elder who's like, I've already done this and I've already been canceled and I've already like made Mm -hmm. my own way. And now I can teach you how to do it. Um, Yes. I hope that's the case. That sounds and feels very becoming of her, you know, aura, so to speak, her, yeah. her, her presence. And I think kind of the mission that she has, her own personal mission, if, if we can call it that, that she kind of has, I mean, really talked about over the course of her life and her career. But yeah, she's I'm just like, oh, I'm looking at this chart. It's just. Yeah, the mission's very evident because we have this third house Pisces. Pisces is obviously, hello, Jesus Christ. We have Saturn here. We also have Chiron and Lilith. So Chiron is the wounded healer. It represents some traumatic wound. Mm -hmm. And Lilith is, you know, the female exile. So I love that just off the gate, her like source of trauma is all about how is her voice being deployed in the dialogue with with God and with her womanhood. So that's off the bat. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, they're in a direct opposition with her ninth house, ninth house of God. Mm. Well, that'll do it. And here we have Pluto and Uranus in Virgo. So Pluto's the destroyer, Uranus is the chaos bringer. So, and then they're they're all in a T-square. So they're all squaring her sun and Venus and Sag. So, you know, we've got the ninth house of God, we've got Pisces, we've got Sag. It's very, it's all really wrapped up in what are the limits of her self-expression on this bigger mission? And how much does she lose herself along the Mm. way? And Mm -hmm. when is it about the mission? And when is it about her own shit? You know? Yeah. Um, Because that sounds like, a lot of what happens in her life is like, when is this mental health? And when is this like a higher calling, you know? Yes. Right. And she was, I, oh yeah. I also don't know if people like know this. She was extremely young when the SNL thing happened. I think she was 24, 25, maybe even yeah, younger. I think that's how, and I remember being shocked. By that I thought I was like oh I don't, I don't and just it being something that I wasn't that familiar with I just thought oh she's got to be older and then I thought if I had done something like that at that age like no I way. or just no I and I'm no way no it's so it's a it's incredible but it is like oh and it's it's not and I'm not even I'm not, of course saying it from a place of judgment I think it's great that she did it <laughs> um but there's that like I think the 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 more um kind of mindful version of the question you know why would you throw it all away is how is this for you like how right yes you it's and so I think I'm kind it's kind of we're touching on the same thing it's like yes this message is so important I've also oh I watched her behind the music yesterday which was made right when she became a priest and she is very much in it talking first person um and she said that she knew it was going to take years for people to decipher the performance 
and what it meant. And I thought that was fascinating because I thought for sure, oh, she couldn't have had any foresight <laughs> beyond what would that, you know, just like here, I'm going to do this thing. I wasn't, I didn't think that she had the capacity to, to do that at that time. And this interview was, at, was I think in like 98 or 99. So she was a little older, but she had been, oh, oh. And another important thing is she signed her record deal at 18 and I believe her mother died at least within that year those things happened in very close uh, yeah there's process. actually quite a lot there like yeah even you know one of my favorite Sinead O'Connor songs is three babies and that's mm -hmm. on I don't want what I haven't got which is the album mm -hmm. that came out before SNL and mm -hmm. That song, let's say that that album came out in 19, when she was 23, Three Babies yeah. is about her three miscarriages. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, so you, she had really lived a lot of life by the time mm -hmm. she was like on SNL at age 24. Yes. You know, she had at like, least one child at that point. Um, yeah. She has four children and they're all, all with different, different fathers. Husbands. Like, so yeah, she'd yeah. really lived a lot of life. She um, did. And it's so fascinating with the, I mean, her, oh yeah, I, I didn't grow up Catholic, like going to Catholic church, but I went to Catholic school for a little while. And both of my parents were brought up Catholic. So it was very much a set, it's a setting I understand, but not one that I'm, I mean, whatever, I'm affected by it. Everybody's affected by Catholicism <laughs> in some way. Um, but I think it's so fascinating her, well her sense of humor she's also she's so funny she's so yeah. rude <laughs> right and and you can see you could definitely i felt like i got a sense of it more in her in her memoirs than anything else i've i've read or seen of hers that she definitely uses humor and comedy to cope like actively all the time and i think that that's a very catholic thing um because yeah. i've seen a lot of you know um yeah, dissociated, traumatized people sort of joking about things. <laughs> Do you even hear what you're saying? And then I find myself doing it too, because like, yeah, it definitely. feels like it brings, like it it takes away some of the power. Um, but yeah, her, her um, that is just very striking to me that that she was so deeply Catholic and, and or just has identified with that in so many ways, yet seems to really get some joy out of defying the institution that she declares she's like <laughs> like yeah there's a lot and there. represents. Mm -hmm. you know her son is in sagittarius mm -hmm. and her jupiter is in leo um ah. this is what we call a mutual reception which is Ooh. the sun rules leo and jupiter rules sagittarius and they're crisscrossed oh I've so we know there's something going on there um mm -hmm. Leo is in her eighth house of metamorphosis and ego death. And cool. Leo is about being the face of something. And often like Leo is, you are basically, Jupiter and Leo is basically saying, I am the living totality of my experiences. Mm. And I display it just through my lived example. And I mm. think that what happens with that Sag sun and that Leo Jupiter is like, her means and she says it many times in the book of like if you really want to know anything just listen to my songs that's the yes, truth i love that i think okay. like her live 
especially in like the world we live in right now where like you really aren't supposed to be appropriating her way of like expressing selfhood is by saying like well i went i hung out and worked with like the reggae community i am mm -hmm. a rastafarian now and it's like i don't know if you can say that Sinead, but also from her point <laughs> of view because leo is quite myopic and mm -hmm. sag is so huge and then she has her saturn pisces like she's like yeah i'm i'm a child of the world and everything i've been through like is me now which makes sense but it's just a little bit limiting and it, i think it makes it like a little bit confusing you know i definitely i agree i i she's definitely been appropriative quite a few times over her over her tumultuous years and while i i I'm trying to think of exactly what it, it's also so hard because she's been so deeply mentally ill that I think she also doesn't yeah. completely understand. Not that that's a a justification. I think it's just just. I think it's just like to... for her, like from her point of view, she's like, I am the mission. I am living yes. the mission. Yeah, it's I not like God, or like I am yeah. here for God. I'm yes, yes. She's everything she talks about seems so much bigger than herself. And that she's like very aware of it. <laughs> right. And yeah. Oof. Oof. I, and you know, what's really hard there is the Scorpio, she has Scorpio in her 12th house of mm -hmm. self undoing, karma, closure. And she has her Mercury, her communication, and Neptune, kind of the, the, mm. the spiritual, the dream, the imagination. What I loved what you said about her sense of humor to me is that Mercury in the 12th house, which is like, I am like trapped. I'm literally trapped. I mean, you know, when she's talking about what her mother did to her, it's like, I am literally trapped in the dungeon and I'm going to make some yep. jokes about it. Yes. Um, and because that 12th house is so related to like studio work and like artistic processing, we really mm -hmm. do get that sense of like, if you really want to get the profound stuff, it's in the actual like, art and mm -hmm. if you want to interview her on dr phil you're going to get something very different oh, but if you want film. and even she what that's Rude what's film. interesting to me yeah. is like you know the book she she really goes in and out of consciousness about what her mom did to her which trust yes. me i can relate mm -hmm. um <laughs> because of that that neptune in the 12th house there's this dissipation and this like there's a total like lack of clarity, which is so real. Mm. So, you know, but then she has these songs like Fire on Babylon that mm -hmm. That video is so cool too. Oh, it's Her, so cool. Yeah, it's so good. I'm sorry, what did you say? You said she has Oh, Fire I mean, if you listen to that song, it's like she is bringing her mother down, yes. you know? And it's very clear. And that's yeah. the Mercury in Scorpio, which is like, I am connected to the mm. truth. But I just think that that truthfulness is occluded from her unless she's creating. I don't think she has access yes. to it because it's in her dark house. It's in her her invisible house. Right. You know? And her, yes, that's a, that's a really important distinction that she does seem to regard her, I mean, her work, mainly her music as like, this is where I have full control. It's kind of, yeah. it's still part of the mission, but she's not as indebted to a, a discerning 
higher power as she is kind of in her day-to-day life it seems like or or in her interpreter her interpersonal relationships and how she moves through the world it's very much with a mission and that yeah that's in the songs but she can communicate it differently via music than than she's just so she's yeah she's really different from her music to her like personality or the way she holds herself when you see her talking and that is very fascinating and like you know that scorpio in that that 12th house dungeon that dungeon of Mm. trauma and all of that Mm. that scorpio is ruled by pluto and by mars which are both Mm. here in this house of god so i think for her pluto's the Ah. destroyer mars is the god of war and like so when she rips the picture of the pope she's ripping really up it's more about for her ripping up her mother's picture yes but to her they're the same the battle Mm -hmm. with god and with the institution of god which is all the ninth house Mm -hmm. is the battle against her mother and to her it's one in the same and i think that's hard for others to understand definitely and right and with catholicism too what's so sad is that that mother figure is so often just like the same it's the same always i know know, isn't it it cranked. I mean, that's what it does. It cranks. Oh, I hilariously, I think it was on your episode with Lulu Krauss. She said, I thought it was Catholicism was at the top and everything else was underneath. And I was like, honestly, I did too. <laughs> <laughs> like growing up going to Catholic school, I was like, yeah, that's I, like, we're king, baby. <laughs> it's really, you're right though, because Jeanette Winterson, who's another controversial Irish woman, Mm -hmm. Uh, who's like had bouts of stardom and then cancellation. I read her memoir and it's pretty much the same book. It's like, my my mother was a fucking lunatic, Catholic Mm -hmm. abuser who terrorized me. And now I'm pretty much the way I am. And you all have to just like accept it. And it's like, wow, they really, you're right. They really did crank a lot of them out. Yeah, it's, oh, it's, oh, and she... Uh, detail I forgot was that I believe at one point she was sent to what they call it I think they call it like a Magdalene house or Magdalene laundry where basically they sent like unfit women or anybody who'd like gotten pregnant or was unruly or something send them to you know do like forced labor for a long time it's the types of places where they'd find you know the mass grave and all that that's sort of known for that um so they sent her she was sent there at one point um and uh, yeah she i think she said she was there for several years like as she was a teenager so she uh, i mean yeah they crank they crank them out <laughs> so a part of the reason that i actually think her saturn her second saturn return will be really interesting mm-hmm. is because i think she might be more accepted by the kids now i completely agree because yeah. like i feel like the kids now have been raised with the internet are just like aware that the world is bad and everything is uh-huh. bad and i feel like when she had her first saturn return etc like people would still be offended that you would talk shit about like the pope and now it's like i don't want to be naive because like i think the world is as crazy as ever but it's like Mm -hmm. the idea that anything is like pure and sacred i think is gone and i think that those saturn Mm. and pisces kids who are like so tapped into everything would Mm -hmm. be aware of that so hopefully like maybe she'll reconnect with a younger audience 
who can who's basically like yeah i grew up with trump and harvey weinstein yeah. and i'm aware that every single institution in the world is compromised you know yeah and she's like welcome <laughs> <laughs> um i was just gonna say oh and also all like teen like everybody ages like 16 through 24 looks like Sinead O'Connor right now like I, it's like, that's the it's other thing like a lot of the I'm like oh yeah you know that she was wearing like military pants and like oversized mm -hmm. hoodies with her shaved yep. head and mm -hmm. like fucking a lot and it's like yeah like yeah. list any 23 year old you know <laughs> um <laughs> they're doing exactly that oh um, the privacy of their own homes <laughs> yeah well and you know what is interesting also about her chart are her libra placements like mm -hmm. she has mars in libra right by her career oh. peak her midheaven so you know oh. when she sang war at mm -hmm. at snl and then she sang war at the bob dylan thing and got booed yes. off stage amazing Chris like that's like oh my god it's so her that i was like oh yeah it was 1994 if chris yes. christopherson is like <laughs> pulling you off the stage i was like okay girl um but yeah. like the war the god of war is right on your career house it's in libra which is the sign of beauty okay. so like yeah and it's ruling her fourth house of course of home and family history and her 12th oh. house of trauma so it's like yeah she's bringing the battle all the way to the very top of her career and it was yeah. the very top it was um, yeah so and cool. then she also has her moon in libra which as do i and you know as i always oh. say to my my people with libra moons you know thoughts and prayers it is not easy but <laughs> at its purest who else has a libra moon lily allen and amber heard oh so she has her moon in libra in her career house so, like i will say that sinead o'connor along with those two women and i'm sure other great libra moons and maybe one day i'll be one of those libra moons like justice is are. at the forefront babe thank you but <laughs> no i'm at the lower evolution of libra moon which is like i want everyone to love me and be happy and what if they're not then i'll kill myself the Ooh. higher evolution of libra moon is like justice at, at all costs you know which My is baby. amber heard when aquaman came out amber heard wrote that essay being like don't congratulate me for being in a hit movie, I am still in a trial against my husband who beat me. Like, don't yeah. try to like, don't try to wash one out with the other. My no, career has happening. suffered because of this, and it's mm -hmm. like Lily Allen too, where she's just like, I'm not, I'm not like sitting down for this bullshit, you know? Right. So right. I do love that aspect. Like the justice thing is real. It's trined with mm -hmm. her Venus, so like her artistry oh, is very connected yeah. to that, and like. She has, you know, a lot of songs like Black Boys on Mopeds, et cetera, mm -hmm. et cetera, where it's like she is really onto something. And that's why she couldn't really be a pop star because no. it's just not conducive to that. Because when you're, well, so when you're a pop star, <laughs> from speaking my experience, no, um, I, yeah, she can't, well, she can't be as um she can't be as fluid with it with these different settings she can't be with anyone when she is a pop star because then she's yeah. always the center of attention she's she it's almost like pop, people probably 
regard her as like, and I mean, in the time of, again, peak of her fame, peak of her influence um, amongst people around her, because that's really what I think of fame as ultimately as just like an influence that people have over other people. And I think that she could, she could see that that, you know, she could experience that, um, but it was never really serving her and yeah, it was always to get her from one place to another. I often, I was also thinking of the, um, when she signs her, her record label, she was just like, I didn't even care. I just wanted to get out of Dublin. Like yes. I didn't care what it was. Oh, she had a lawyer that was like, do not sign this, <laughs> not good. And she was like, I don't care about money. I need to go. Yeah. And, and then she just showed up in London and was like, Hey, didn't you say you were going to record a demo for me? Like for this, this company. And they were like, okay. And so that she's, I mean, not that, you know, thinking of life and nothing is guaranteed. There was, there was, she, she was aware that there was no ground beneath her feet, so to speak. Yeah. And that's a great point. Cause usually when I'm reading people's charts, often where Sag is in the chart, I'm like, okay, you're, what are you trying to launch yourself away from? Like, what do we need mm. to be aware of that you're, uh -huh. that's like propelling you forward? And right. it's interesting what you were saying about, I don't know, you made me think about like Tina Turner and Britney Spears, who are both Sages, mm -hmm. because think about their relationships with Ooh. the media and think Ooh. about the compromise. And like Tina Turner was like, a lot of the Tina Turner doc is her just being like, I don't want to answer questions about Ike anymore. <laughs> yeah. And it's why been 30 fucking years. Right. Should have been in that position anyway. But yeah. And, and I mean, also this sort of brings, I mean, there's also, of course, the prince of it all. Um, oh my God. <laughs> in the book, I don't even know if we want to. <laughs> okay. Let's just, I will just say it is interesting that Prince is a Gemini because it is like the diametric opposite of Sag. Oh, so that is fascinating. what did yeah, you feel about that, Eleanor? I have a lot of feelings about it because I. So can you the, explain what, what goes yes. down a little bit? Yeah, sure. And I did read about it before I read about it when the book was like announced, I think they kind of like, were like, this is what's going to be in the book. And I was like, dang, y'all are smart. <laughs> this is how you get that book out. Um, well, so I, I read about that. I, I have considered myself a, a fervent fan of Prince and I'm also not surprised. I know. <laughs> That's I how either. I feel is I think that, um, and also I'm just, I, and this is no, not in any way a, a defensive prince or anything. I think um, he's just, it, it's one, it, it, every single famous person is like that in some way. That's what I, what I kind of think is when, and varying, varying on, based on, I think on their, um, their childhood and their traumatic <laughs> events in their yeah. lives, but as different as Sinead and Prince are, their upbringings are very similar, both in oh, okay. uh, extreme religious backgrounds, extreme, extreme. I think uh, I was looking at Prince, he, he grew, I thought he was a Jehovah's Witness his whole life, but he was raised Seventh-day Adventist, which is like evangelical. And then he converted to being a Jehovah's Witness, which is like not that much of a difference, but I think of a Jehovah's Witness as being the, the ultimate like, 
like he was literally knocking on door like one of the people that like knocks yeah. on doors and is like the rapture is coming like let's go. so prince as brilliant as he was um as a as a person who created music um he was known to have a temper he was known for all the kind of classic you know big personality quote unquote thick skinned um qualities that many like geniuses are known to have um and i think he had a really traumatic life and <laughs> it's like it's yeah it's real and i think Sinead basically had a very similar thing except she was what 20 years younger oh the one thing oh right we're not not even i haven't even said what happened but just one thing that i kind of put together from reading the book that Sinead doesn't explicitly say is she mentions that um nothing compared to nothing compares to you was sort of in his like vault of like songs that just he i think he recorded it with another band but it didn't really have much of a release yeah and a former manager he it was like a former manager of prince's who became Sinead's manager so at first i read that and went oh okay whatever that's fine they shared a manager but then i was like well actually <laughs> for right. this former manager and so i do think that there i and obviously prince was notoriously protective of his music um i do think that there was probably something a little shady behind the scenes of how that cover was recorded because i know he wasn't right. involved in it at all so and then um, it was the number one hit in the world and then it was the number one hit in the world and it was this like right. little freak from ireland like <laughs> yeah. he was just, i mean the chapter in the book is this like yeah. grand gignol like prince brings her to her house it's pitch black all the windows are shuttered like yeah. she gets let in by this like lurch sort of a butler who ends up being prince's brother brother who but who actually like... was not his real brother oh okay sort of family but um prince did not leave a will so a lot of people that worked for him got left out what of getting any he money. didn't leave a will he didn't leave a will because he was, that I mean, he was is... to painkillers. He was, I think he didn't, I don't know. He didn't, I think when already, when you're, when you're that famous and you're, you know, and you're taking painkillers all the time, I think you can kind of convince yourself that you're okay. I don't know if this is because I was raised by a lawyer, but like, mm -hmm. I just always thought that oh, the I minute you start making money, you get a will. Like, I literally just thought like, as soon yeah. as you make like, over a certain hundred thousand dollars do you immediately make a will like that's just automatic but maybe i didn't understand Good that no i'm gonna i'll keep that in mind like <laughs> it's just so much money but okay yeah it's a lot um, of money um so that yeah that was just so, so then anyways so yeah, he like so leads her into the house yeah. and there's like this bizarre like cat and mouse chase that ensues yeah. and she like ends up on the side of the road uh, yeah, yeah the soup. soup offering she says no soup he gets really angry he wants her to have the soup um and then she okay. kind of yeah she escapes at some point i don't know where she is I forget where she is geographically, but I know she was staying in Los Feliz. She says something like, and then I got Which back to so Los Feliz. Which is so funny to me like, too. <laughs> It's so funny. And then she's like on the run from him. It's just like, yeah. whoa. Yeah, he's chasing her on the highway. And I think she says that she tried to talk to someone on the, on the freeway. And then when he saw her talking to someone, then he drove away. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. It's just, you know, 
I think what's hard with her is the Scorpio stuff is that the Scorpio, which is these like deep crises and these deep transformations and these deep like emotional events because it's like in her 12th house I don't think she's able to like communicate it well to others and like there's so many parts where she's like well then I had a mental breakdown and no one in my family will talk to me and it's like wait a minute and I just think like it's really hard for her to advocate for herself because I think her own ability to Mm -hmm. communicate is like cut off from her but then she has this divine gift so it's really right yes that is that is definitely I know I kind of hear I had a mental breakdown and nobody in my family will talk to me it's like well those are certainly related but maybe not (laughs) one and the same (laughs) um Um, yeah and is there anything else I was gonna say about the the prince situation oh the one other strange just was like I I just felt as a you know Irish American I had to be like oh my god Sinead when she goes he said something like I don't like the way you speak <laughs> I think she's at his she's at his house and he says I don't like the way you speak in interviews and she says like oh what do you mean English because they beat the Irish out of us and I was like babe <laughs> it's not about that right now it's very um struck me as very like when people like Irish people are were enslaved too I'm like baby no we were not (laughs) we were not (laughs) it's not like that um so that was something that I just when I see those things I go yeah um Um, you know yeah it's interesting um i'm i'm looking to see when did if snl happened during her saturn return i actually think it did um i think it happened like in a weird little fluke period uh in her saturn return but it's interesting that also during her saturn return she made universal mother Uh, so uh no actually it was not during her saturn return so her saturn return was already done um no her saturn return hadn't even happened yet oh so basically she did snl and then her saturn return started and she went into exile but it's interesting that during her she might have become a priest during her saturn return yeah well during that time she made universal mother which i think is Mm -hmm. so interesting because like just the term universal mother and you're thinking Uh, about this person with her history during mm -hmm. a Saturn return in Pisces. It's like, Mm. yeah, you kind of passed that assignment, I think. Yeah. Um, (laughs) It's just like, what? Um, Yeah. And then I, I also thought it was really interesting that her Uranus opposition was 2003 to 2010. So Uranus, that was when Uranus was in Pisces and that's when Mm. she made theology and that's when she made the album, how about I be me. And if you're thinking about Uranus oppositions, which are these like Mm. when you and your forties kind of like strike out against the world and stop giving a fuck. I love that the album is called how about I be me. You know, she's really fun to look at because there's some people who truly live the astrology where it's like, mm-hmm. wow, this is really literal. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, okay, yeah, you know, during Saturn in Pisces, you're gonna rip up the Pope's picture to like reclaim power to the people. Got it, you did yeah. it. You know, Thank it's you. so literal, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering if you have any like closing thoughts about Sinead <sighs> and about Ireland, Catholicism, <laughs> hagdom, <laughs> chromedom 
Exile, oh, Lilith, anything. There's a lot there. Um, well, I hate, I mean, I think, would I, well, wouldn't it be cool if the Catholic Church didn't exist anymore? <laughs> I think that could be, that could be cool. I don't know how to, like, get that going if I, like, maybe start a petition or something. Yeah, get some boots um, on the ground there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Could link up with the Jehovah's Witnesses. Yeah. We, can, we can start canvassing to take down Catholicism. Um, it ultimately, I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, Irish on both sides. I definitely feel a kinship with Sinead, not necessarily in a way that I would say in the classically Irish way of just like, yes, I get it. I understand the darkness. Um, uh, And I think that, now she's really interesting because I, I do think that she does exhibit a little bit. And I, I, I think she would somewhat, I, I hope this wouldn't come as an insult to her with her newfound um, religious identity, parentheses S, maybe there are more to come, I don't know. Um, but that, you know, de- describing kind of the, the Sagittarian trajectory does sound a lot like um, kind of what Catholicism instills in people which is like um is like don't rest just keep kind of just keep going i feel like that is a very um a very catholic thing don't really think and she she defies that and she's like no i i won't shut up about that i won't pretend these things aren't happening but she still doesn't quite have the leverage point to go like this is what I think about religion and this is what I think about people like me who who must find this higher meaning, a higher power and how and like what that means in our world. I think like you're saying it's right maybe right now or for the most part has presented as this like I am like I, like hear me roar kind of a kind of a situation. And maybe now that the book is out, oh she also she I saw her say something recently that she felt like her entire life has been leading up to the writing of Rememberings, her memoir. And I hope that that is going to be like, now that she's really gotten it down or gotten down what she can in this way. And that I, and I do think that people will understand she's, she's, I think this is towards the end of her book. She says like, really all she wants is to be understood. And um, I feel like, I feel like we understand her because um, we've we've shared some similar some similar situations, perhaps yeah. to her in her upbringing. But I don't know that 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 is as as accessible to everybody else. And I think that that is because um, the kind of collective response to trauma is denial, and she. Yeah, there's a disconnect, but I think that, and what well, you said, her Saturn return is going to be like 23, 2023 20, to 2025. Uh, yeah, 2020s. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Something yeah. around there, just a few, a couple years from now, where it's like, well, every few years, it is like, wow, we're taught, well, like, um, just the, the collective conversation does seem to be more and more about how trauma affects us. So I have some tentative hope that she'll be able to 
be a voice in that area. But I, then again, she's, you know, grabbing a bite with like <laughs> murderous poets of West Cork. Like, again, I know where she's coming from, but then that's something. And actually I think she was doing that. She, I believe she has a column for a newspaper in Ireland. So she's also something to mention is that she, like many other, you know, the Britneys, the Xenas, et cetera, has been really exploited over the years too. And I think yeah. that she's probably going to be recovering from that. I mean, the Sage that I'm really thinking of now, uh, listening to you is Jane Fonda. Um, ah. Because like Jane Fonda is also yeah. that Sage of like, I have to keep going. I cannot stop. Yeah. I have something to say. And like, there's mm-hmm. a bigger mission here. And Jane yeah. Fonda has been canceled multiple times before Many too. Times. <laughs> but you know, Jane Fonda has a very different chart breakdown. But still, yeah. Jane Fonda, who is a Sag, is has that thing of family like, history. <laughs> obviously, but Jane Fonda is like I. I have to like. I have something bigger going on here, and I'm not going to stop. Mm-hmm. And I do love like that comparison. It's really one of the main, like. What, what would the word even be like like it, it just you mentioning that about Jane Fonda it it is like uh, and all of these kind of Sagittarius powerhouses in the entertainment industry the ones that we've discussed are all really questioning their fame and their power yeah. and their influence or the perceived power and influence that they have especially yeah. I mean Brittany I oh man I just can't wait till we can <laughs> till we can hear her yes when she's ready well but it's it, the floodgates have really opened really yeah over the oh yeah like she's hiring her so, lawyer you know? right and she, you know she just Ooh, shot her lawyer. sister down so it's been great that i was very confused by i didn't understand exactly what was going on i, I was know, like oh wild. shit um dang even jamie lynn coming for her um yeah the family stuff Ooh, ooh, it's dark um, but I'm, I, I am hopeful or I, I, and if it's been unclear, I do think fame is kind of a disease. All right. <laughs> I've been, I, I don't know. I'm sure there are people who are fine who are famous, but I have had the misfortune of interacting with a good amount of famous people and they all, um, have kind of the same, um, it's that, you know, not used to hearing no, um, and also being completely unable to kind of function or have any sort of uh, clear sense of self. And as I describe that, I'm like, well, that's not Sh- that's not Sinead. And that never was. She's been broken. She's been put together many times, but she's she really doesn't seem to to position herself above anyone else. And that is a very unique quality in anybody, any public figure, but really anybody. <laughs> Yes, that is the Sag, I think, and the Pisces, which is like, I walk with the people. I want to be like Christ. Okay, so before we wrap, I just want to know, are there any songs you recommend or music videos you recommend people check out? Oh, my goodness. Um, Battle on Fire is great. Yes. Um, I love, oh, you know what? I, I This is actually not one of her albums I've listened to, but I really need to make a point to listening. I, have you listened to I'm Not Bossy, I'm the Boss? I'm the Boss. Uh, I have explored it a little bit. <laughs> Just it's the different. title alone and the, um, the, the art, the album art is really 
it, it brought everyone. Me- I need everyone to understand that that album came out. This is, I don't know if people remember this, but at one point, Sheryl Sandberg was trying to have the word bossy like erased because she thought uh. it was demeaning to young girls. Right. And, you know, I wish at the time I could have explained to her like, words don't you can't like remove a word unless it's like a deep racist epithet and even so but even if you do that it'll it'll always get reclaimed and the idea that you could like i was like cheryl this is not really the end game here of like i don't like this word let's get rid of it so when sinead did that album i'm not bossy i'm the boss i was like you know what bitch good for you yeah, it was it's so made, funny to very, me that Sinead was like, "Well, I'll take it." Yeah, she was like, "Excuse me," and it it also reminds me of uh, Lindsay. Lindsay, I think that's Lindsay's album. Or on, um, she has a song called "Bossy." That's that's amazing. That's right. And that's right. And obviously, so I, is Khalees. Yeah, um, yes, that's probably the best one. Um, honey, definitely the best one. <laughs> I would but say with Sinead, like, I mean, you can't really go wrong. All of her music is good. Mm-hmm. I, of course, love I Do Not Want What I Haven't Got. I think, like, the songs on that are incredible. Universal mm-hmm. Mother is amazing. Everyone, of course, should listen to her cover of Don't Cry For Me, Argentina. Oh, um, you know, Troy is iconic, but there's... Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, any cover she does is going to be devastating. Um, yeah. yeah, but they're all... they're all, It's all good, I think. Um, it is all good. I think that's... That's also probably how she gets away with a lot of, not just like her personality and the way that she is. People are just like, well, she can write a hell of a song. That's It's the same with Grimes, <laughs> Pisces, and Azalea Banks, Gemini. It's right. like, you can't come for the music. So mm-hmm. at some point you have to give up because like, <laughs> they're always going to win when it comes to the music, you know? True, and they know. Um, exactly, and that's the other thing. It's like, yeah, you can cancel me, but like, I made the best album you've ever heard. Yeah. And I do love that Tim Rice sent her the letter being like, you saying, Tim Rice who wrote Don't Cry For Me Argentina was like, this is the best version of this song I've ever heard in my life. And she's like, she's like, yeah, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's not even about him. She's like, my mother loved it. It was for my mother. I know, of course, it's all about the mother. (laughs) It's Um, always for her mother. The mother, okay. Eleanor, thank you so much for being with me. This was a really special episode. I'm really glad we got to get cranking on this. And, um, uh, you know, thank you for opening your heart. And, you know, hopefully we'll have you again sometime soon. Oh, thank you. Well, you know, I'm around. (laughs) (laughs) The Luminaries is made with love in New York City. Art by Greg Kozatek and music by Henry Kapersky. Thank you so much for listening. I would so, so, so appreciate if you could leave a review, a five-star rating, etc., etc., on iTunes. I don't know if you can rate things on Spotify, but you get the idea. Tell your friends. You know where to find me. I will see you next Tuesday with all my love, David Odyssey.